Seinfeld, the burning is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here's the two guys who have never yet had to worry about going out on a high note. I'm Rob Cicerino, back with Akiva Winokur. Keeve, how are you? How's it going, Rob? Good, glad to be back. Wow, this is very exciting to have you back. I had Chester here last week. It was like the Bizarro Jerry. Did a whole podcast with Chester. I have to say, I thought it did go pretty smoothly. Yeah, people weren't really complaining outside of the you know the real anti-Chester crowd. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty smooth. I actually listened to the podcast in full for the first time ever. What'd you think? Um, you it was notes? very smooth. He had he had one very good joke, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, he did a good job. Uh, listen, I mean, I, we've done this, uh, like 170 times. It's not so hard to just like copy for what, you know, I don't know if he could keep it up for mm-hmm. dozens of episodes, but for one episode, I think it's easy to it, mimic the style. He can come in off the bench and run the playbook. Yeah. Like Matt Castle, you know, he'll, he'll take you to an 11, five season, but I feel like he gets exposed over time. <laughs> yeah. I think more interesting might have been. If I wasn't on the podcast and you and Chester did the podcast. Yeah, I think that would take a a big turn. (laughs) I agree. I don't think we have time for you to miss an episode. We're almost done here, but that would actually have been an interesting experience. Okay, so we're talking about an episode, kind of some wacky stuff going on here in The Burning. A terrible episode name. I did see that uh, Chester is talking about that in his email. I'm sure he was not the only person that sent that to us. Um, well, you think a lot of people said it? Yeah, I mean, the burning is one of the worst names. I feel like we say that a lot, and this is might be one of the top five worst. Yeah, you know, I guess if we could start there, he, uh, I believe, proposed a really good alternate name. I think you could have like three or four different alternate names. But I, I love the idea of the tractor story. I think that makes this like such an epic sounding episode. Like, what's the tractor story? Yeah, and whereas sometimes in Seinfeld, like we'd get to the end of the episode without ever knowing the tractor story. Mm Hmm. Here we know it, and it really ties the episode together, and I feel like that would be a great name for the episode. The tractor story would be very good. I could see them being concerned about tipping the final line, but I feel like even the high note, I think, would be a very solid name for this episode. That I didn't ever think about it this way, but is the burning sort of a a double entendre, not just for the experience of having gonorrhea, but also for Elaine's future experience in hell? Interesting. I think it must be right. I, I, you know, I was just thought it was for the gonorrhea, although I'm sure when I first saw this episode, I didn't know what it was for at all. (laughs) Right. Um, Now you are much more experienced in the ways of gonorrhea. (laughs) That's not what I said. <laughs> um, but I, I think um, I think if it, it's definitely, a, you know, I, I, if I had to guess, I'm going to say it's not a double entendre. But it, but now that you say that, okay, we'll have to uh, get a hold of the episode writer. This could be another thing like stuff your sorries in a sack, mister. It's like, well, that's the yeah, first I, I'm hearing of it. Yeah, I think uh, Miss Crittenden, Jennifer Crittenden, I don't think uh, she's going to be on our Probably side. Probably not. But we'll see. Is she one of the people on Twitter? No, she's one of the main people not on yeah. Twitter. I get her confused with the woman that we talked to that wrote Seinfeldia. That's Jennifer yeah. Armstrong. The two Seinfeld Jennifers. I get them crossed up in my head. Anyway, so we have The Burning, uh, episode number 16 of season nine, airing on March 19th, 1998. Just missed St. Patrick's Day. Is St. Patrick's Day a set day every year? The 17th. 17th. Yeah, that's right. 
Oh, I thought it was like a day. That, I always thought St. Patrick's Day was like a Friday. No, no. It bounces around all over the place. I'm surprised that uh, after all of the drinking that you do, uh, that that was when you got gonorrhea, right? It was uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, 2001. Oh, well, let's not start yeah. these rumors. <laughs> let's not start these rumors. By the yeah. way, Rob, this is, uh, I don't know if this is like a cool stat or a sad stat, but right now I'm in Florida. I'm on vacation. And this is the fourth year in a row that we are recording an episode of the Seinfeld podcast. While I'm on a summer vacation in Florida in my wife's childhood bedroom for the four straight for the final years. time. That's crazy. For the last you know? time. For, fourth and final time. But still four years of doing the same, you know, silly thing. Do you I don't remember know. It, it, the it, other episodes we talked about while you were in this very room? You know, I, I thought to look it up, but um, I, I, I don't know them. And I don't know if anyone would remember offhand. You could sort of figure out the first one just based on when we started would probably be a very early season two mm-hmm. episode. I do remember um, having a like a Skype issue or something, and I literally recorded like the seventh episode of the podcast on the phone mm-hmm. with you. So this will sound better, hopefully, than that one. Okay, so uh, we've got a lot to get into. Any news items or anything like that? Did you want to mention that the first episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm got leaked online? Do you want to just get that uh, first episode in the can and then not worry about it on the weekend of October first? Well, what has, you know, you cover other HBO shows. What has your leak uh, procedure been so far? Oh, I, in terms of Game of Thrones, I avoid all leak news like the plague. And mm. there probably is a, a special place in hell for the Game of Thrones leakers. In terms of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm leaking, uh, I feel like that there's, I mean, there's no spoilers really for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. I feel like that there's no sort of fervor of like, uh, ah, how could they do this? Yeah, and it's only one episode, not the whole. You know, I saw the article, but I didn't. I saw the headlines. I didn't click on the article. I didn't. You know, it was sort of depressing, so I didn't know it was only one episode. Yeah, that was leaked. I almost feel like it's good buzz for Kirby enthusiasm yeah, to have the first episode for sure. leaked. It's like, like, oh yeah, Kirby is coming back. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a free ad. They and, did them a the favor know. with that. I mean, Game of totally. Thrones in the middle of the season. Yeah, this is that's like worst case scenario. Well, stay woke for the Curb. Maybe they leaked it themselves. Oh. Like, who's working for Game of Thrones? Let's do this ourselves. This is the most yeah. popular show. That's possible. All right. Well, let's get into what's going on here in The Burning. And uh, we start off with Elaine borrowing Putty's car. I feel like things never really go well when Elaine borrows your car. Uh, she will be taking Putty's car out. We don't really know where she's going. No, we don't know where she's going. Uh, it's definitely like canonical for Elaine to be a bad driver, though. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. And she, Putty gives her like instructions on what to do with the car. And then she drives off. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she starts playing with the radio stations. And we find out that Putty has all Christian rock stations in his presets. And also it seems like some Christian talk radio, which she doesn't acknowledge. But she says later on it was all Christian rock. Well, what would be better, like Christian rock or like the preacher stuff? Well, I think that personally, and I know this goes against what I've uh, normally said, where I often prefer podcasting and talk radio to music, I think that the Christian rock stations would probably be better than whatever, the, you know, uh, I don't know what Christian talk radio is like. Right. And also, or or just like Sunday, you get just the straight pastor, you know, sermons. Sure. Sure. I, I, I like the thing about Christian rock is some of it like you don't even really know it's Christian rock unless you realize like you're listening to it. Yeah. Or you're paying attention to the lyrics like some of it. When I first heard Creed, I didn't say like, oh, this is Christian rock. I just said, you know, this is some great music. Yeah. Putty <laughs> seemed like he was a little ahead of the curve with uh, Christian rock here in 1998. Well, I think Christian rock probably existed for, you know, 
much longer than that. I don't know who like I don't know what the sort of like power rings of of all time like famous Christian rock bands are. I'd say Creed is pro- is definitely the biggest to ever make it out. Unless like there's someone who I'm missing who's you know maybe considered so mainstream they're not even Christian rock anymore. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Greatest Christian rock bands. Uh, we may not even know. Uh, Coldplay are they one? No. no. Are they? joking okay uh so according to uh this uh uh the top tens.com the uh top 10 christian rock bands of all time i don't even think you've heard of any of them i'm trying to see if i well creed isn't even on this list so i don't know how canonical it is but according to the christian rock wikipedia they say uh, in the 1990s, there was an explosion of Christian rock, and many of the popular 1990s Christian bands were initially identified as Christian alternative rock, including Jars of Clay, Audio yeah, Adrenaline, DC Talk, uh, and by the late 90s, uh, Skillet, Thousand Foot Crutch, Decipher Down, Under Oath, Cutlass, I think it has mm. three S's at the end. Wow, that's a lot of S's. Uh, uh, Disciple and Resilient K. No mention of okay. uh, of Creed. Yeah, I, maybe it's like one of these things where like Taylor Swift was kind of technically a country music star, but then she became so big now she's just like a pop star. Mm-hmm. So maybe you like break out of like the genre and you're just like a you know a music star. Maybe that was Creed. Okay, and so we will find out more about Putty's faith uh, in this episode. So over at Kruger, George is in a meeting. Uh, Mr. Kruger is talking about how things are not going well. They are in the the red or the black or whatever the bad one is. Uh, George says that what he normally does is that sometimes he will send a check to his landlord and forget to sign it. Everybody thinks that's funny. But then he says a second joke, which is basically that we should pretend that we're the cleaners if they call up and nobody laughs at that. Now, was this because that this was racially insensitive? Yeah, I think that's probably what what they were like (laughs) uncomfortable. Like, oh, this is this is getting awkward. Yeah. But for George, he feels like that it was just like uh, he tried too hard. He did one too many jokes and he ruined it and everybody got mad at him afterwards and so in monks jerry and george are talking about this and george is uh lamenting i had them jerry they loved me yeah i feel like this is this is you know stood the test of time the idea of like the walk-off joke this is definitely one of the more iconic like season nine george things Mm -hmm. you want to go out on a high note uh for you and i i what would have been the high note for us to go out on like what podcast yeah I think like the hundredth one. I think that was like that. That pro- people like that one, and and that would have been like a like a normal way to end. And like because also we have a fight in that episode, mm-hmm. so then it's like okay, yeah, they just like they broke up at the height of their powers. I feel like that the soup Nazi also. I feel like that. Yeah, that the soup would... Nazi people like that would be good. It would be like a little on the nose to just end at the soup Nazi, but <laughs> that would be on the nose. We we'll just walk <laughs> off like we did a sign well, I mean, podcast. If you're going to end Nazi. on an episode, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be in, like I don't know. We could still end it now. Can you imagine if we didn't make it to the end? Yeah, now, we're going right? out on a low note here. No. Why? Because it's season nine. One week after the Chester episode, that's it. Yeah, I guess. Wrap it well, up. Yeah, if it ended with just Chester, <laughs> yeah, like that would be crazy. I think that would have been the worst week. Boy, it's like a Sopranos ending. Yeah, we need to. We yeah, like, and there's only one way to interpret it. Like, we hate the <laughs> we gave Chester. People will say, "Was Akiva dead?" Then at the end, did he die? Did he die? Like, no, I think he was alive. He, he just, just went to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Elaine comes in. 
And uh, I like how she sits down at the table. She's like, here's one. And she talks about how all the presets in Putty's car are all these Christian rock stations. And Elaine is does not like the idea that Putty is religious. She is much more inclined to believe that he's stupid and doesn't know how to change the presets in his car. Yet, he is an auto mechanic. So I find yeah. that hard to believe. And he also sold sobs. It, it seems to me almost unfathomable he would not be able to change the presets in a car. Also, he's driving a Mazda. So I think that that's also weird. I don't know how we sort of triangulate all of that. Yeah, it would be. It's like if we made a joke, like, "Hey, Rob, he wouldn't know how to record this episode anyway." So, with like, that doesn't make sense. That's his job. Like, that's the one thing on Earth he would know. Right? Yeah, but the car radio clearly says it is a Mazda car radio, and we saw Putty was working at a Saab dealership. Well, I mean, is it possible it's just a better radio, and he knows how to put in a radio for a different car? So I feel like you wouldn't get a also, Mazda not- radio. Wait, hold on. But the way you're saying the car is a Saab or just that we know he works at a Saab? We know he works at Saab. Well, not everyone who deals Porsches can drive a Porsche, right? Sure, but you would think that Putty would be driving the car. I mean, he's a car guy. Yeah, but I don't I like I don't think it works like, oh, we need a we really need a car salesman correspondent because I I wonder like is that a thing? You know, like if you're if you work for Nike, you're not going to wear Reebok shoes, but Right. Like, I don't know if, if car mechanic, like mechanics or even car sales. Well, not mechanics, but car salesmen. Like, I don't know if you need to drive that car. I don't think anyone's like, well, you don't drive it. Well, there's a million types of cars. Just because mm-hmm. I drive a different car doesn't mean it's a bad car. Yeah. But you would think he would be able to get a deal on it working at the car dealership. I mean, I guess it's not impossible. I'm sure there are people that have worked at a dealership that don't drive the car that they sell. But you would think that Putty being a car guy. I mean, maybe I'm just talking out of my butt here with this. Yeah, I, I really don't know. But um, if, if you do know, write in and let us know. Let us know. So Elaine is talking about the Christian rock stations. George in this episode says he likes Christian rock. It's very positive. It's not like those real musicians who think they're so cool and hip. We see George take a lot of shots at musicians here in this episode. George has a lot of takes. I, I almost think it's like, oh, we only got five episodes left. Like, let's let's give some bits to George because he just does like, a, a, you know, between the jokes he's doing before he walks off from the rooms and like the bits he's doing about, you know, what what's God been up to? Like no one's talking about God and the musician stuff. He's doing a lot of just like random isolated bits in this episode. Right. That George is just what, 15 years too early for Twitter here. Like he's got a lot of 140 yep. character thoughts and he has no place to put them out except for the coffee shop. It's almost like he's clearing out the drafts. Do you have a lot of tweets in, in drafts? Let me see. I don't think so. Um, let me have look. Have you ever scheduled a tweet? Mm, I think I might have, like, sort of like I'm going to bed and I want a podcast, like, to be tweeted out. But I wake up so early that it doesn't really make sense. I'm sure I've done it, but I'm always afraid that there's going to, like, I'll schedule something and then there'll be, like, some, like, uh, major, like, celebrity death or something. And it'll be really in really poor taste for, like, hey, check out my podcast. Yeah, no, I, I, they like real experts say not to, not to uh, schedule. You know Darren Rovell. Uh, the name is ESPN. Yeah, he's like ESPN's sports business guy. He's a big tweet scheduler. He has like fifty tweets scheduled a day. So what happens? Does he did he send? Was, was there something? I'm negative sure that he's gotten in trouble at some point in the last like decade for for doing that. 
Yeah, honestly, I don't even know how to access my drafts. I, I don't think so. I neither do I. I I don't like you know how you have the one like let's say you don't tweet, it still like stays there forever. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know how to. I don't know where drafts are, and I would. I definitely don't know how to schedule a tweet. Yeah, no, that you don't. You don't do that through Twitter. You can do that through other things, but uh, it's you know too much could go wrong there. Too much can go go haywire. Uh, I'm old school. I I I, I do You're an old school tweeter, tweets I manually. Yeah, that's right. Like 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 your grandfather and his grandfather before him. That's right. I like to get my hands dirty. All right. So George says, here's what you do: reprogram the buttons, and if he changes them back, then you know it's the old switcheroo. Jerry says that the old switcheroo is when you poison your drink and you switch it to the other person's. That is very specific for what the old switcheroo is. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was a switcheroo. I thought that was like. I mean, we know about that's like the taste tester situation. Mm-hmm. But I, I was having a discussion recently, like do most leaders like, you know, especially like the dictator type leaders, do they have taste testers nowadays? OK, so like, for instance, does the president and not just this uh, president specifically, right. but do presidents do, have do food United tasters? States presidents have taste testers? more? I, I would say without knowing the answer to that question offhand, I would say the more. Uh, the less democratic a nation, I feel like, the more likely the the leader has a taste tester. Like, I, it would shock me if Kim Jong Un didn't have a taste tester. You know? Right, right. Uh, that that would be smart on his part. I, I would guess that U.S. presidents do not have uh, food tasters. Right. I don't think that. My guess is they don't have a straight food tester taster. Mm, right. I, I, my guess is like there's some very strict sort of like kitchen rules that, you know, maybe we wouldn't think of that they have. Yeah. And maybe that's why Trump does like fast food where you see him like that. He's got like McDonald's or like KFC on uh, Air Force One that they could just send a guy to go pick it up. Right. Nobody's nobody poisoning a big man. Poison that guy. Yeah. And then yeah. That, that's like as long as you trust the guy who's going to pick up the food, you'll be good. Yeah, no, smart. I think that's a smart, smart. That's a smart take. I agree. <laughs> and also, it's like, what if what if Trump was like, get me a Big Mac, a Whopper, and whatever the Wendy's equivalent is, and I'm I'm only gonna eat one of them. Right. Uh, the sad news is that you know your food taster is at a very increased risk of heart disease and obesity on that diet. Right. But- he can't like suggest. <laughs> I think of the food taster. You can't be like, hey Donnie, or you know, hey Barack, like you know, let's let's cut it on the carbs. I'm on a diet here. I feel mm-hmm. like you're really at their whim. Yeah. So anyway, we see that George says that's not the old switcheroo. Uh, That's doing the same thing to someone that they did to you. So I think I'm more team George on the switcheroo. Yeah, I'm definitely team George. I agree. Okay, so Jerry is like being really stupid in this scene. He's saying like, well, what Elaine is going to do the same thing to the radio that that the radio did to her. Yeah, that's a good joke, actually. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? Right. So. Jerry has a new girlfriend. Her name is Sophie. I love this that we are so meta and everybody's over everything here in season nine where Jerry says to George and Elaine, so I've got this new girlfriend, Sophie. You want to meet her? And they're like, eh, not really. <laughs> it's very meta, right? It's like, yeah, we, we know how this ends. Yeah. We'll, we'll meet them one next week, maybe. Right. That Elaine asks, how long have you been together? And Jerry said, I don't know, since the last one. Like, yeah, that's I mean, there's a lot of meta jokes in this episode. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I agree also. So George then asks Elaine after Jerry leaves, how'd you get back together with Putty? She said she needed to move a bureau. I do like in season nine here all of the reasons why Elaine breaks up and gets back together with Putty. Yeah, I feel like I almost feel like we've heard this joke before, but yes. Yes, it's always like some variation of that of like, oh, she needed something or she was bored and that's why they got back yeah. together. All right. Yeah. So uh, we go to see Kramer and Mickey. 
and uh, they are in Jerry's apartment, and they are practicing. They are going to be these disease actors where doctors are going to diagnose what is wrong with them. And I guess this is a real thing. Um, the, okay, so I, I'm in Florida, and my uh, brother-in-law is finishing up medical school, and he's taking – he went to, like, another city to take some, uh, like, uh, you know, big tests that you have to graduate if you want to be, like, officially a doctor. Mm-hmm. And and so like my mother-in-law explains like yeah there's two days one day it's like a written test and the next day you have to like guess people act out diseases and you have to guess what they're doing I'm like what I didn't know that was a real thing I thought it was like a joking Seinfeld thing no nope, it's a real but thing. he's literally doing that today like what were the odds he's doing it once in his life and it happens to be today the day that we are talking about this episode I mean. Akiva, I think that this is evidence that Putty is onto something. There is a higher power in play. You and I have been talking about this for months now in terms of the show ending at the exact week that Curb Your Enthusiasm is coming back. It's all happening. Yeah, I do think, yeah, well, there's just too many weird things happening. You got the whole North Korea thing. Like, I don't know. Something's in the air. Yeah. I don't know uh, who, like, or what I'm supposed to be doing. That uh, should I convert to Judaism? Are you feeling like? Uh, are you are you gonna like pound the table and say, "See, this is what I'm talking about"? Um, no, I, I'm not gonna force you to convert. But uh, I mean, you're already an honorary Jew. You're from Long Island. You went to <laughs> dozens of bat mitzvahs. Yeah. I really didn't go to that many bat mitzvahs or bar mitzvahs. Well, you would have been. If, if I had popular. friends, if I was yeah. popular, right. Then I dozen, you had dozens of classmates who, yeah. who, had <laughs> who all did not care for me. Yeah, think about the presents. Think about the presents uh, you, you, know, you didn't have to buy for them, mm, though. Right. That I, much guess, money you I guess I, uh, my parents dodged a bullet on that. Uh, so I, I think I probably like legitimately went to like maybe three. I don't think I went to that many bat mitzvahs, honestly. I mean, I went mm. to an all boys school, so. Well, the invitations weren't really like fast and furious for me on the girl side. Okay. They also had the, like that you have like the, you do have to invite the whole grade and I, I'm, I'm making a bat mitzvah in, in December. I mean, I'm going to have no more money, but <laughs> the, the, what's it called? My daughter has, there's 70 girls in her grade. Oh my God. And I said like, how many do you have to invite? Like, I know you're not friends with 70 of them. I've met like four. She's like, no, no, no we're inviting all 70. <laughs> like, how, she's first. She's born January 1st. So she's like the first one of all 70 basically yeah. just like i want to be invited to all of them so i want to invite all the girls could you do it like really late at night when uh they won't be able to come right like when are you guys least available <laughs> right dude can you do the swell in michigan like morning at 4 a.m <laughs> <laughs> do it a destination or yeah. do it someplace where nobody would want to go sure yeah like, like the library the um the library um yeah it's a good idea. I, I trust me. I've suggested all these things. <laughs> Whatever a bride Zilly is, that's what she is. I feel like the, who your daughter like, or your wife? Oh yeah, my daughter. My, but she gets my, but she gets whatever she wants. But my daughter, yeah, it would be it would be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Then I'd have to deal with like a week of me being the bad guy and everyone yelling at me and and, and no one listens anyway. I have literally no say other than like cutting the check. Okay, well you you have no hand. <laughs> I have zero hand in this. Uh, <laughs> What's the equivalent? What's the dad equivalent of hand? I don't I, I, I it's a good question. No <laughs> hand in the relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, Jerry's girlfriend, Sophie, she calls up and she does. It's me. And uh, Jerry is asking Elaine. He seems he's legitimately puzzled. You know, I mean, how many people could it actually be? But uh, he takes him a long time to get to Sophie. I don't really care for Sophie, the girlfriend. I feel like something's off about her. 
it's weird, right? I, I, I do think like she's almost supposed to be likable, but they maybe miscast her. I don't know. Is she supposed to be likable or is she supposed to be dumb? Because she ends up like the big reveal at the end of the episode is the tractor story is that, no, you can get gonorrhea from riding a tractor in your bathing suit. I mean, if she was a smart person, she would not have believed this story for all these years. I mean, but, Jerry calls up with a weird voice in, in chess, right? Isn't that like an indication? Does that she beat him in chess? I think doesn't she say like I'm winning or something? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that that is really a stretch to say that that's uh, you know great evidence. And Jerry doesn't even seem like he's trying to win. He seems like he's like uh, doing material. Um, okay, the actress's name is Cindy Ambule. She's an actress turned. Do you want to guess her her occupation? Uh, acting teacher. No, that's a good guess uh, historically. Yes, but it's not this correct for this one. She lives in L.A. That's mm-hmm. a little hint. Oh, yoga teacher. Uh, no, that's a good guess, but yeah. uh, but that's the other one. No, she's a luxury real estate expert. Okay, there you go. Uh, how many sons does she have? Uh, three. Seven sons. Seven sons. Look at her. That's a lot of sons. That is a lot so, of sons. answer is she's dumb. It's also she's wearing like a mini skirt in every scene, but yeah. she allegedly has like this uh, hideous scar, but you don't see it at any time that she's walking around in the episode. Right. That's a weirdly edited scene, right? Like he, we see him see it, but we don't like know what's he looking for, you know? And, and he's talking about this huge scar. And again, you know, we've talked about this, that perhaps the core four are not reliable narrators where she might have had like a mosquito bite on her leg and he looks at it as a hideous scar in his mind. And there's really nothing there. But I, I just felt like th- that every everything with her was off. I, I didn't like her hair either, Keeve. Uh, yeah, I agree. There's uh, it just maybe wasn't her day. Yeah. Sorry, Sophie. Anyway, so are you a Jag fan. She's from Jag. No, no. Like a Jaguar. No, J-A-G, no, the, no, the TV no, show on no. CBS. <laughs> All right. So uh, Kramer, and then, this is weird also. The Kramer comes in and wants to know if Jerry has Ipecac because Mickey swallowed 12 aspirin. Jerry asks, did he overdose? And then Kramer says, no, he just uh, ate too much. Yeah, I, I think this is just another scene to show that they're taking this like a billion times more seriously than, say, like, the Brian Posehn guy who they meet there would take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, did, why did Mickey take 12 aspirin? Oh, I have no idea. And yeah. also, like, if you're smaller, right, you take less aspirin. Yeah. So yeah, 12 I, I don't sounds know very dangerous. For. I don't know. I have to ask Jennifer Crittenden what they were going for in that spot. Okay. So we go back to Kruger, and we go back to George's meeting. And so they have a problem that there was a statue. They do a lot of, like, statue smoothing there. And they smoothed a statue head down to the size of a softball. And George says, well, why don't we smooth the head down to nothing, stick a pumpkin under its arm, and change the nameplate to Ichabod Crane? The room breaks up, and George is very excited for that reaction and stands up. All right, that's it for me. Good night, everybody, and walks off. Was that funny, what George said? Uh, my note is, uh, ask Rob who Ichabod Crane is. Okay. He's the headless <laughs> horseman. Okay. Like from what, uh, what like sort of like book or movie? Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. Fine. No. Yeah. The TV show? Uh, the movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've heard of Ichabod Crane, but he's like, I always like gloss over. I don't really. So yeah, uh, yeah that's, so that's like a relatively obscure joke also. No. Yeah, it's a weird joke. It is a uh, it's a weird line, and it's weird that everybody cracks up at it. It's not that funny. 
No, not a great joke. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, George is feeling good about uh, his standing over at Kruger. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, we're at the hospital and everybody gets their assignment. As you mentioned, Brian Bassane is there. Are you a, a Bassane fan? Yeah, I think he's funny. He's like funny in small doses, but this would be like, uh, you know, a very small dose of him. But yeah, like for him to come on and be like the, you know, like the best friend's best friend or something. That's his like best spot. You ready for a round of IMD bags? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, Brian Pussain. So what would you say uh, he is best known for? He's got an extensive career. Yeah, I mean, I think he does some stand-up, mm-hmm. but uh, I, the Sarah Silverman show? Yeah, Sarah Silverman show. Like, he was in with, like, uh, he was big, like, I think that his big break was probably, he was in the Mr. Show uh, with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Yeah. So he was yeah. in that whole crew. Uh, he did have a long run in Just Shoot Me. He was a little bit of, like, the Kramer of Just Shoot Me for a little while, so, like, towards the end. That he was just like a like a weird guy who like uh, would have like the wacky things uh, happen to him, and then he really bounced around post uh, just shoot me in like different TV shows and movies, uh, and then I guess uh, Tom goes to the mayor. I, was that an Adult Swim show? I think I've never heard of it. Yeah, I feel like that Johnny Fairplay used to be uh, uh, really, and then Tim and Eric. Uh, and he's in with those guys and then human giant, uh, and then what's his out of Jimmy's head. He was on for a while. Now you're making some of this stuff up. No. And then he was in the Sarah Silverman, uh, program. So yeah, he really never like had his own thing. Yeah. But he's in a lot. He's in a lot. lot. He's like, he really has made a career out of just sort of being like the, you know, wacky neighbor, like yeah. uh, fourth starter on a sitcom. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I see on his page, he was the winner of the final at midnight. And I feel like that sounds like pretty accurate. Sounds about right. So let's see. Uh, and lately he has been on uh, he is pl- on Steven Universe. That is what he's, he's been doing for the last four years. So it seems like he's that is. in a lot of animated stuff. It seems like in a, later in life. He's got the voice for that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but here he does absolutely nothing. No, no, no. Not a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> but the deleted scene is him. Okay. What does he do? Uh, he just acts out his, his, uh, his scene more. Okay. Uh, Mickey gets bacterial meningitis. Who knew that this was the jackpot? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought, like, if you had said gonorrhea or, or bacterial meningitis, I would have said, like, oh, I know what gonor- you know, like gonorrhea is much better than than uh, bacterial meningitis yeah i feel like i'm going to be associated with gonorrhea now you're like you're you know you're like throwing me under the bus <laughs> i'm throwing you under the <laughs> tractor <laughs> i didn't even when i watched there was a lot of gonorrhea humor in the 1990s um there was at, yeah because it's like here and like it's a big part of like ace ventura right it's like the you know the uh finkel's mom says to like about dan marino that he should die of gonorrhea and rotten hell which i, I don't disagree <laughs> with and um, you know, there's a lot of gonorrhea stuff, but I had no idea. Like, I it just it doesn't sound like the worst disease, uh, I guess. So, like, I didn't know what it was. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like a lot of gonorrhea jokes. I okay. still don't think I know what it is, but yeah, it was a sexually transmitted disease. Well, that I know now, but yeah, I'm saying like back then, it's like all right, it just sounds like not such a bad thing. Yeah. I think it's coming back. Also, you think it's you? Oh, ooh, gonorrhea is that a good publicist or? <laughs> yeah, or it's a good publicist. <laughs> I think they're rebooting it actually. Yeah, I think that there's a uh, uh, drug-resistant uh, gonorrhea, I think. That sounds pretty dangerous. You know what? Also, the in like thinking about like from pop culture and stuff, 
when like at for most like movie and TV mentions of gonorrhea in like the turn of the century mm-hmm. in the aughts, it, gonorrhea would always be called the clap, right? In the like the previous decade, you're saying? Yeah, but I feel like I haven't heard the phrase the clap in a long time. Oh, I don't even think uh, that I have heard it referred to as the clap from like uh, like I think that people used to call it that in the 70s. I want to feel like that that was like so maybe, maybe it ironically just called it that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, like I thought that was the name and that were like two different diseases. Yeah. But I don't think anybody says that anymore. Yeah. So should we do the trailer for the gonorrhea reboot? Oh, no. <laughs> What's that? You thought it was gone, but it was still gonorrhea coming this <laughs> summer. <laughs> I I do think like the like because I'm not a big scary movie guy, but I love the, I love the idea of. <laughs> of just like a, an STD horror movie. Because I feel like that, you know, you could bring all sorts of people to the theater that way. You're really like crossing over genres there. Mm-hmm. So what, the the STD is the monster or is it like some sort of like outbreak type movie? It's it, it's an outbreak movie, but like, I don't know if the, STD is like, doesn't talk or anything like that. No. But maybe it has some sort of superpower. It's like a super gonorrhea. Like super gonorrhea? really resistant to all treatment. Hmm, maybe it could be like something like, remember that movie Species? Uh, who was the woman in that? Like uh, Natasha Henstrich? Yeah. yeah. And, and that was basically like the same thing. I mean, it was we like... We could get Henstrich for free if you want her. Yeah, so, I mean, you sort of have like this like knockout woman who's out there and then she's like the carrier of the, uh, you know, super STD. And then she's like seducing all these uh, men and then that's the horror movie. It's not a bad idea. She's only 43, Natasha Andrews. I feel like she doesn't really work work anymore, although she's I mean, for all intents and purposes, like that species movie was the exact same thing. She just like killed you instantly. Yeah. Um, I, I hope this isn't sexist, but I, I think like 80 percent of all actresses ages on IMDb are fake. That's my that's my impression. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better to even it out, I think that 80 percent of all actors heights are fake on IMDb. Oh, no, 100 <laughs> percent. Anytime an actor says they're five eight, that means they're five four. <laughs> By the way, we we kind of dropped the ball here, Rob. Yeah, I'm what? Since the last time we podcasted, we met in person, and we did not oh. mention at the top of the show where we probably should. Yeah, we buried the lead. We buried the we lead on that. Yes, we ha- yeah, because I was going to say uh, that we had because we hadn't spoken in a few weeks. It was like the longest probably we've gone without speaking since we started this mm-hmm. venture. But the last time I spoke to you, it was in person. Yeah, I, you came out to the thing that you kind of snuck up on me. I thought that you might have been like initially somebody who worked at the theater because you uh-huh. just well, you, yeah. you just came right came right in, and I was expecting you to be with a big group of people. Well, and- I was with a big group of people, but then we got stopped at the door because we were so big, and I think like the people you had at the front. They were like, oh, we're going to get in trouble if we let it like Rob's going to be annoyed if we let in like 15 people. Like mm-hmm. some were like podcasters, but some were just like listeners who were there early. But so but I'm like, oh, well, I have Rob's dinner. So I'm going to walk past them while they sort of got stopped and settled it. Just to give the backstory for like the one percent of the audience that don't know what we're talking about was that I had done a sure. live podcast for Big Brother in Manhattan two weeks ago. And that happened to be when Akiva was in town. So, yeah, I met uh, your wife, and you know what the first thing she said to me was? <laughs> well, I can't imagine. She said, I thought you would be much shorter, <laughs> which is weird. Because you're not like Wilt Chamberlain. No, I'm not at all. In fact, the <laughs> most common – well, a couple things here. I, I My Twitter profile picture is from 1990 or yes. 1989, and my Facebook picture is uh, my daughter as a baby in a box, and she – 
is again about to be 12. Yeah. Uh, there are many pictures of me online, but n- not my profile pictures. So I didn't realize, but a lot of people didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, had a, I, I recognized um, uh, a, a listener and a, a guy I'm friends with uh, on the Internet. And I started speaking to him. And I think I said my name, but he must not have heard. And then he came over to me after. He's like, oh, that whole conversation, I didn't know you were Akiva. Who's that, and Paul Borges? That was Paul Borges, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, But I got this a lot. And people even afterwards said, oh, I didn't even know you were there, mm-hmm. uh, which I, it didn't occur to me. But the people who did know I was there and the people who did meet me, a lot of people were like, well, I thought you'd be taller. Which, by the way, I, it, I am not one of these actors you mentioned. I, I do not inflate my height. I have referred to myself many times as short, um, fat, and balding, mm-hmm. right? See, and by the way, nobody, nobody said, oh, you had a great hairline, that you were lying about that, well, but... Yeah. Yeah. To me, I thought you were going to be much fatter. I feel like that you've misrepresented yourself yeah. on this podcast, like you are this obese person, Yeah. and yeah. you keep talking about how, oh, I'm, like, uh, I'm so fat, I've gained all this weight, and so I really expected like a, a mess a of a person yeah, to be showing yeah. up. Right. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I'm sure I was a mess, but <laughs> the, the, um, yeah, but I did. I actually got like a couple sternly worded emails from people about what who met me or saw pictures of me saying like, you shouldn't talk about how fat you are because you're not so fat. And it's like offensive to actually fat people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I am. Heavy. First of all, I am. Heavy. I'm like less. I'm just under five, seven. And I'm like, you know, two twenty something on my best day. So mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. thin. Let's not let's not pretend. Right. Uh, yeah. So people were mad about that. So people didn't know my weight. No, yeah, that's a bad job like. by you with that. Bad, bad job by Kiwi. And then um, and, and, and then but a lot of people said, oh, I thought you'd be taller, including people said it to my face. And people definitely said that online. And then somehow your wife, how did she get the idea that I was like four eleven? I mean, how does she get any idea that she has uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that I can't tell you? Because I started asking you a question about your wife and then she just appeared. Yeah. <laughs> middle of the show, out of nowhere. Yeah. She must have a power. Like, if people talk about her, she just appears. <laughs> yes. She's like the Beetlejuice of podcasts. But she was like a bigger celebrity than you also. People yeah. were like more excited to meet no, her people than People were excited to see her because she doesn't normally uh, go to stuff. But then, no, that was, yeah. that was fun to have uh, to have her around. Like, I forgot what she's like uh, when uh, there are not kids around. Right. Well, I'm sure she was bored by the TV show she doesn't watch. But other than that. <laughs> no, she was just so happy to be away from our kids. So That's that was... true. That's true. Yeah. But it was fun to meet her. It was fun to meet you. Um, so now we, yeah, but, uh, th- we did, we did bury the lead. We, yeah. uh, sorry we about met. that, everybody. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so big takeaways there are Akiva and I met Akiva is not as short as my wife thought and not as fat as I thought. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. Right, what about, yeah. and what about me? This is right. The right height that you thought. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, nothing. I mean, I've seen you on video so many times that it would, yeah. you know, there's no real. No real surprises. There. I get that. Oh, I thought you'd be taller a lot. I thought you'd be tall. Like in general, I thought you'd be taller. But we've also discussed, like you've said your height on the show before. Like, a, uh, you know, but yeah, I think if you were 6'2", like you look, I wouldn't be shocked. Or 6'1", you know, mm-hmm. you look like you could be 6'1". Okay. Yeah. You also look like you'd be like 5'10", 5'9". Yeah. That would be- I'm like a real uh, Tom Cruise. No, well, Tom Cruise, again, is one of those 80% <laughs> of actors to, to get back to what we we're talking about. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah, so anyway, Natasha Hensher, she's in a re- reboot, and I guess we could go on with the episode. <laughs> a reboot of what? Well, no, she's not oh, the she's reboot. Our, she's, our in, reboot. she's in our reboot. She's in our gonorrhea, the, the reboot of drug-resistant gonorrhea, yeah. yeah. You don't think we should call it, like, The Clap, and then we could have, like, The Clap Returns and The Clap 3? Hmm. Because gonorrhea sounds, what sounds grosser, gonorrhea or The Clap? 
Mm. Yeah, Clap is a better horror movie name. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad name. And what about this? What if, like, you could clap and give it to somebody? No. <laughs> I think that's a little too cute. I think that's a little it's too a cute little for the horror the movie. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, next week, if we can get Penner on the show, uh, we'll ask him uh, if maybe uh, after the Bye Bye Man that they can. Um, oh, we could pitch him a new movie. Us, yeah, just, de- yeah, develop He's the a clap. Hit, a hit horror movie maker. We've sure. already got Natasha Henstridge attached to it. Yeah, if you got a big name like Henstridge, you're basically halfway in. <laughs> We're packaging. <laughs> <laughs> packaging Henstridge and Penner. <laughs> Noted Hollywood we'll go to the studio tomorrow. <laughs> We'll be kicked off the Sony lot. (laughs) Escorted off. (laughs) All right. So Jerry and George are back in the apartment talking. And so George is saying that after he left the meeting, he just went and saw the Titanic. Uh, He ends up saying, and I love Titanic humor, that he's saying, so that old lady, she was just a, a big liar. And Jerry adds in, yeah, and a bit of a tramp, if you ask me. Yeah. I do think um, is Jerry slut shaming the old lady from Gloria Titanic? Stewart. <laughs> slut shaming Gloria Stewart. Um, <laughs> by the way, Gloria Stewart, another famous age liar. She was like 104, but she claimed she was 89 in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here comes Elaine. And so they did the old switcheroo and the Christian rock stations are back. But guess what Elaine did? She took Putty's Jesus fish off the car. Yeah. I mean, stealing is wrong. That is wrong. Uh, George goes instantly into, hey, do you have any fish sticks? Yeah. Anytime somebody mentions uh, a food, it makes George hungry. Yeah. It's like a a subplot within George's plot. It's Mm -hmm. weird. In this episode or in general? No, in this episode. It's like a this episode specific, like, (laughs) we don't see a lot of, like, subplots within the thing. But again, George, they they threw, like, 150 jokes at George in this episode and saw what stuck. <laughs> so they can go out on a high note. That's what you do. You throw a lot of stuff out there. One hit, so you get out of there. Well, it's the opposite, right? George should be making one great joke and leaving, not like 30 okay jokes and staying. Yeah. And so Elaine is not happy about this. And George, again, he says, I think it's neat. And George just seems to be the most positive person about it. He says he likes the Christian rock music. He says, I think it's neat. You don't hear that much about God anymore. Boy, uh, George was, I think, way off for this take. If he knew what the next 20 years were going to be like, I think that— Wait, uh, you think we're godless now compared to then? Is oh, that what you're no, saying? no. I feel like that God, God really made a comeback. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I feel like that. Uh, I'll say that I think that George W. Bush really brought uh, God back. He brought God back. Wow, that's a that's a crazy take. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that the '90s overall was a godless time. I, I wonder yeah. maybe if you could say maybe perhaps Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky maybe were most responsible. Where yeah, I feel like that things. the evangelical movement really started to get the ball rolling yeah. during the Bill Clinton heyday, and then. I feel like that George W. Bush was really the the first modern day politician to really he talked a lot about his relationship with Jesus. And I think that he really sort of like uh, brought that into the mainstream where I feel like that there was a little more of a separation of church and state prior to that. And I felt like that through the 2000s, I think that there was uh, more it got hotter. I think uh, sort of with the rise of the Internet as well, I think that that uh, did help that there was a lot more God stuff, I feel like, after 2000. Yeah. So God in the clap out. But also the the um, 
I think Tim Tebow definitely helped with the God stuff. Well, yeah, I think that, well, he was a figure along the way. I mean, you see the sort of like the rise of the Christian rock and then uh, Tim Tebow and other figures. So he's like in the South and South is very religious. And I feel like they thought like he would make predictions and then it'd come true. And he was like, uh, like if Tebow says something still like there is like there's literally a video last week. Right. He's a Mets minor leaguer. He like rubbed some like he rubbed like the head of of like some child. And then he like, hit a home run like 10 seconds later. Mm-hmm. Right. Tebow. Uh, Tim Tebow. And, and like, didn't he touch somebody recently who had who like who like fainted or something? And they like immediately got up a few months ago. Could Tim Tebow heal the Mets pitching staff? I mean, he's going to be on the hitting staff soon. So hopefully he could heal that. <laughs> this is exciting. a good question. This is exciting. I mean, I think Tebow, like naturally he was a quarterback. So in theory, like. They should have tried to convert him to pitching. Maybe they tried, and he was like throwing eighty. He couldn't throw a football. He's going to throw a baseball accurately. Well, he he didn't throw the football slowly. He just threw it inaccurately. He maybe (laughs) he'll be one of those pitchers with that throws gas, but you know they walk a lot of people. (laughs) They they took like the Rick and Keel approach with Tim Tebow. But even yeah, they didn't convert him. him. Yeah, I think Tebow could. I think to make Tebow a baseball coach, I think anything Tebow does, like he should become. Like, what if Tebow became like the manager of the Mets and the head coach of the Jets? Wow, the manager of the Mets. I feel like that this could be something. I mean, could he heal David Wright? That would really be very important. I mean, at that it. point, I think you would have, if he healed David Wright, you would have to, like, at least, you know, become, like, a much more religious person. I mean, he couldn't heal Mark Sanchez. Well, that wasn't, like, he should have, he, he was trying to heal his soul, Mark Sanchez. <laughs> yes. To, like, help him atone for all <laughs> Mark Sanchez was too godless to be even helped by Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's, yeah, I don't think you could, you could, you know, you could stop him from, like, hanging out with teenagers, but I don't think you could really, uh, you could really convert him to religion. Yeah. Jerry tells Elaine about how Sophie called up and did the it's me. Uh, she thinks it's premature. Also, George is also against all the it's me. It's very self-absorbed and egotistical, he says, like those hip musicians with their complicated shoes. He, why is he so anti-musician? <laughs> it's very and if he only knew where the shoe game was going, he was early on the shoes, too. Is there another but, mention of George being anti-musician in another episode? This seems familiar to me. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. It's a good question. Okay. All right. Here comes Kramer, and he comes in. I got gonorrhea. Yeah, it's funny because they they do that like three different times, like arguing (laughs) in front of people like as if they actually have it. (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, he's not happy about it. And so George ends up saying, hey, I guess there's no small diseases, only small actors. Everybody laughs. And George ends up walking off. Good night, everybody. And uh, Elaine is asking, what is that? Jerry explains showmanship. George goes out on a high note and George sees this. And I do think that showmanship is a bit of the theme of the episode here, Keith. Uh, you think so? Like, I mean, obviously, George is the showmanship. But how? what other storyline has a lot of showmanship? Well, I feel like that the uh, Kramer and Mickey storyline is also about yeah, trying to, true. you know, make the most of these like meaty roles where. Right. Although, to be fair, that's every Kramer Mickey storyline. <laughs> one up each other. But yes, that's correct. Right. OK, so Kramer says, yes, he's going to make people feel his gonorrhea themselves. And so we go to see Kramer at the hospital And he is going into this scene study and they asked him if he was experiencing discomfort. And he says pain during urination. uh, And in addition, that he was also feeling uh, a pain in his heart. The haunting memories of lost love, he says. I mean, it's weird because the choice Michael Richards makes here is to imitate Peterman, right? (laughs) Yeah. He's just he does the exact 
inflection that Peterman tells his stories in. But it's still very funny. Yeah, maybe that's how Peterman got started. Maybe he was one of these uh, actors at the hospital. Yeah, it's uh, it's possible. It's also possible that like Peterman, you know, the actor John O'Hur- John O'Hurley or Hurley, um, Hurley, right? I think, the, uh, I think O'Hurley. O'Hurley. Yeah, John O'Hurley is was sort of doing a Michael Richards ripoff. Possibly. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe he uh, saw Michael Richards uh, practicing for this episode. They might have had this script in the drafts for a while, Keith. Uh, yeah, it is possible. Yeah, this may have flipped flipped to a different character. Okay, so Kramer nailed it. Gonorrhea. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jerry and George are back at Jerry's apartment, and he gets a message, and it's Sophie. Hey, it's me. So Jerry decides to do the old switcheroo at the behest of George on Sophie, and he calls up and says, it's me. And she says, hey, Rafe. And again, uh, Jerry doesn't know what to do. So George says, okay, play along. And she says, I still haven't told Jerry the tractor story. So who is Rafe? I guess Rafe is just her friend. Like, Rafe, I, I, don't, I don't think Rafe is the after mentioned, what's the opposite of boyfriend. before mentioned? Yeah. Soon to be mentioned boyfriend. Okay. So I think Rafe is, Rafe is just her guy friend. Okay. The guy friend who knows that she has gonorrhea and this right. is the issue that she has to bring up in every relationship. Correct. I don't know. Like, they must be very close. (laughs) Very close. Rafe is sort of, he's in the friend zone, but then he also knows that she has gonorrhea, so he is uh, happy to stay there. Yes. uh, It was not Rafe's choice to be in. This summer, the only safe place is the friend zone. Yeah. That's what you have to um, do to stay away from the clap. When you when you used to watch movie trailers as a kid, did you like? Were you super jealous of the guy of like the voice of the guy who did the trailers? <laughs> I don't think I was jealous of him. I always thought that would be like such a sweet job. <laughs> Especially now, those guys like really work from home and they just like literally just email what they did all day to uh, the boss. <laughs> You're going to need all the protection that you can get. <laughs> you know how like in, I know in LA they have these like theaters with. Um, like really, like if it's raining in in the movie, there's some theaters where it's like a full like 4D experience or whatever, where it's like it'll rain on you. It'll like mist on you. Hard pass. Hard pass on that. <laughs> OK, well, we won't continue down this road. <laughs> Both Have on you the heard theater, of those theaters? No, though? Both on the there theater and wherever you're going okay. uh, with this. <laughs> so we uh see uh once she mentions the tractor story george is saying okay abort abort get out of there and i do like the reaction of jerry and george after they get off the phone with her where uh george says uh boy that was very real uh and uh jerry is also like whoa that was close so uh, that was very funny uh they're like a near-death experience on the phone call yeah, you get nervous for them. It's funny. Okay, so she says there's a tractor story that she hasn't talked about, and George does like, whoa, whoa, back it up, back it up, beep, beep, beep. And Jerry just is like, what is that? What is that? And that's the end of the scene. What do you think the, we're supposed to like guess the tractor story is at this point in the episode? I don't know if we're really guessing it too much. I do think that the uh, disfigurement is sort of the leading candidate. Yes, but but like right, the disfigurement. You know, they we don't know how long they've been dating because he doesn't give a straight answer. But like mm-hmm. you, you'd assume he would sort of know about it at this point. Yeah, uh, if she had some major disfigurement, sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a thing. Okay, so we see Putty now for the first time in the episode, 
And Elaine is asking him uh, where are they going to eat. He feels like an Arby's uh, night. Uh, and, of course, uh, we know Putty loves Arby's, and that was part of their negotiation earlier this season, only once a month for the Arby's. And Elaine is asking him, uh, do you believe in God? And he's pretty religious. Um, he, I, I mean, yeah, he's a religious guy. It's not shocking, though, that Putty's religious. I feel like... We didn't know before Hindu wasn't religious. No, we didn't know too much about Putty's faith. Uh, and so we know he likes the devils. Yeah, well, that's what I want to talk about here. So he explains to Elaine uh, it's not important that Elaine is religious because uh, he's not the one going to hell. Now, earlier, back in what was it, season six, where uh, Putty's first go round. We see him famously, he is a fan of the New Jersey Devils hockey team, and he paints his face and dresses up like the devil, and then sees a priest uh, who is stopped at a red light and harasses him as the devil, and the priest, who does not really speak English, is like, you know, confuses him, mistakes him for uh, El Diablo. So... Does this strike you as odd, Akiva, that Putty, such a religious man, would act this way and torment a priest like that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, he could be born again, though, right? Maybe, maybe like we're saying, maybe he's just become super religious. It's possible. Between that episode and now. But you would think that that would come up in some way, no? Yeah. I mean, again, like the timeline, we're thinking more about it than they are. But uh, it's a good question. It just it is weird. We've talked about this before in the Seinfeld writers room. Is there was there one person who's saying like, hey, you know what? Actually, uh, this is kind of similar where people are they're like making the devil horns They're Elaine and the priest are both doing that to Putty. Is that an intentional callback to Putty? the fan of the New Jersey Devils who at one point earlier in the run of Seinfeld screamed at someone, I'm the devil. Devil, We're the devils. I think, I I think uh, the answer is no. If they wanted to call it back, he would be wearing like a devil's Jersey or a devil's hat or something. I think. Does Patrick Warburton say like, like, hold on a second. Right. Right. He might remember more than them because like, you know, he did it. Right. Yeah. It was him. Yeah. It's a good question. I don't. I just. I, I think it's a coincidence. I think the whole thing is coincidence. I, I like think it's a coincidence too, but it, but it does feel weird. If if yeah, uh, I agree. It's weird and a coincidence. I agree with everything you're saying. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Akiva. Okay. Jerry and George are at the coffee shop, and George thinks she stole a tractor. I don't. But again, like if we're if we're being literal and we're saying like, why would she tell Rafe? I haven't told him the tra- the tractor story like that. That's not something she would need to tell him before the relationship took the next step, right? Yeah. And then George thinks that maybe that she lost her thumbs in a tractor accident and uh, they grafted her big toes as her thumbs. I like George's test for this. He wants to know how is her handshake? Yeah, that is (laughs) that is a good question. I feel like that you would probably not be able to have a strong handshake if you had uh, toes for thumbs. No, Um, if you had toes for thumbs, you, you might have a stronger handshake. Okay. And then also George wants to know, are her hands a little smelly, which uh, this made me laugh a lot harder than it should have. Yeah, that's funny. That's like a funny line. to think <laughs> about that. <laughs> OK, uh, Jerry is asking, uh, why do I seek your counsel? All right. So here comes Elaine and she's going to hell. Uh, Jerry gives a uh, sounds about right. And according to Putty, that's what Elaine is uh, faced with. 
And Jerry is trying to give her a joke about the guy in hell with the coffee and the donuts, which makes George immediately order coffee and donuts. Yeah, this, by the way, this is an insane order. Mm-hmm. George orders coffee, donuts, and then when she when the waitress comes back, he says, I'd like a slice of devil's cake, right? Devil's food cake, right. Devil's, so now George is going to a restaurant, mm-hmm. ostensibly for a meal, and he's having a coffee, a donut, and cake. On top of whatever meal he already had. Right, on top of the meal. Like, this is uh, yeah, I mean, this order. is like a 3,000-calorie lunch for George Costanza. Yeah, this is You may as well go to Arby's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we go back to Kruger's office, and nobody is there. Kruger took everybody off the project because he's just like he just has been wanting more of George lately. So he's going to go all in with George and have George only work on the assignment. Uh, this is a very Steinbrennerish thing to happen. It's Steinbrennerish, but I'll also say not to spoil too much of our you know uh, storyline rankings. Like George almost has two different storylines within this. Also, like he first sees a walk off, and now it's just him and Kruger, and we have multiple scenes of just that. It's almost like his storyline ended, but we're continuing with, with this nonsense. Yes. Is that something that is that a good thing or a bad thing where George can basically have two storylines in an episode? Does it speak to the weakness of the first thing? No. The first thing I thought was very good. I mean, the jokes could have maybe been better, but maybe the point is that they're not great jokes. He just people laugh and he walks out. Um, but the like the, you know, we could go about crane thing isn't memorable, but the idea is funny. But, you know, but now it's just like a second thing. This could be funny, too. I don't think it's good or bad. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's rare. Like, you know, looking through the show like we do with a fine tooth comb, you know, we don't see much of this where it's almost like a reboot midway through the episode. Okay, back at the hospital, Kramer and Mickey get their new diseases. Mickey is going to be acting out cirrhosis of the liver with jaundice. Kramer gets gonorrhea again. He thinks there's been a mistake. They tell him no. We loved what you did with it. And Kramer says, I don't believe this. I'm being typecast. Keeve, is this meta commentary from the writer? Oh, yeah, obviously. This is very meta. Uh, You have to assume this was, you know, these actors. First of all, the show is ending in a few weeks. Plus, these actors, uh, you know, have probably been, you know, in the summer, a TV star can can do movies. Right. I'm sure it's like, well, you're not getting this role. You're Kramer or you're George Costanza. You're Elaine Mm -hmm. Bennis. Um, so I'm sure this was already on their minds and, and obviously it was going to become much more on their minds because, you know, Michael Richards hasn't really had a, a, a true steady role other than his one show that got canceled in the 20 years since. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and, it, and Jason Alexander's had a hard time, too. And obviously uh, Elaine has been able to get over it. But like it was definitely something that was on all their minds. Yeah. So is that something that the writers were thinking about? Is that yeah, something that the sure. actors yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, who thought of this joke? I imagine the writer, but I'm sure it was like something that had, it had already been discussed. Like once the show's on the air for a while, like it's not like Kramer's not iconic yet, right? He's already iconic. So this was something I'm sure he, he had been dealing with. Okay. Back at Jerry's apartment, Jerry and Sophie are playing chess and Sophie makes a move and puts Jerry into check. Jerry is saying they should update the pieces instead of horses. It should be a tractor. Now, Sophie does not react to any of these tractor mentions. Right. She doesn't have. But again, she has no reason to believe that he knows what she's talking about. So it's just uh, maybe she like gulps, gets a little nervous, like quietly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then uh, Jerry just keeps going back to the game. Do you think that this uh, defeat at the hands of Sophie or at least uh, this uh, peril in the chess game, do you think it has more to do with Jerry being distracted or do you think she's actually a good chess player? Yeah, you're right. Maybe he's distracted. Maybe he's he's literally just playing. Like, the, this game started as a ruse for him to make these jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
And we have not seen Jerry break out the chess set, what, since uh, his brain was battling yeah. his genitals back in yes. what, season two? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while for season the chess three? board. Right. You had to clean it off. Right. Uh, with uh, who was the actress that was there for that? Tawny Katane? Ooh, White Snake. Yeah, I think so. All right. So uh, that she asked him, Are you embarrassed that you're losing? He says, uh, No, you know what was embarrassing? That I almost lost control of my car, I almost bought the farm. And he just yells out a tractor. Uh, she feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And she basically like leaves, but doesn't affect the relationship. And again, this is this weird scene that we were talking about where she bends down to pick something up and Jerry's like, ah, I get it. Again, there is nothing to be seen from our perspective. Yeah. Poorly directed. And Jerry says to George in the coffee shop, the next scene, she has a big, long scar where her leg would dangle while she's riding a tractor. I mean... That I don't think a tractor can like nick you, Keith. Uh, I mean, from yeah. what I understand about tractors, yeah. Like I think that the which is a lot. I mean, you understand a lot about tractors. Like I feel like there's very few minor tractor accidents. It's true. It's all or nothing for the tractors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jerry says she's probably a little self conscious about it, and that's why she wants to uh, talk about it. Anyway, uh, George is talking about at Kruger. He's very upset because that uh, it's almost like and they never officially call it out, but it's like George Costanza is trying to be the boss of himself. You're not the boss of me now. I don't know. You just got that in my head. Um, Sorry about that. The the uh, yeah, the, like it's such a weird flip. Like, why is he why is he the boss? Like, I, I, do you like the storyline at all? No, I feel like that there's uh, not a ton of laughs to be had. I don't know why George is necessarily even worried about, like, what's going on at Kruger. Right. Why does he care? Like, Kruger's not doing the work. I know I, it's a funny idea to do, like, the split, but, right. you know, like, the switcheroo. It's the old switcheroo. That's what it is. Yeah, that I George guess. cares and that he doesn't care. Well, but to me, it's like, what does George really care if Kruger goes under? I mean, it seems like that the boss doesn't care what's going on. It seems like that George is just, you know, there right. until his next right. job. So I'm not sure. The letters are literally falling off the building. And, and why, why are you getting invested all of a sudden, Georgie? Yeah. Why does he care what the outcome of if Kruger doesn't care about it? Why does George? So. George sees Kruger in the coffee shop uh, and he calls him out and says, what are you doing here, Kruger? And uh, he says, uh, I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah, like I, I, we have seen so many people just randomly be, be at Monk's recently that it's it's almost like it's the only restaurant in this tiny town. Do you want to weigh in on this? Because uh, Chester and I were debating this last week that I was saying that the reason why we see people at Monk's is because people are stalking the core four. Like when Susan's parents go to the coffee shop, they go there knowing that that is a haunt of George Costanza. Now, I don't think that that's why Kruger is here in this episode. Chester says that people just often go to this particular coffee shop. I think it's I think uh, I, I think the, you're right. I think it's everyone knows that they're there. So if you want to see them or, you know, be seen by them, it, you know that at least one of the core four will be there at almost all times of the day. Yeah. And Kruger, I don't know what his issue is here unless he heard George talk about the devil's food cake here. Like is that, that why is he there? Yeah, yeah, it's pos- yeah. Like George came back and said, "I'm stuffed," and Kruger's like, "Why?" He's like, 
I had a full meal, then I had a coffee donut and devil's cake. And he's like, oh, that must be a good place. <laughs> right. He incepted him with the devil's food cake because he is eating a slice of cake. I feel like that there yes. is some connective tissue there uh, between those two. Anyway, so uh, we see Putty and Elaine. Uh, Putty wants the newspaper uh, that's across the hall. He won't go get it. He's trying to push Elaine to do it because she's going to hell anyway. Yeah, I think it's a funny idea. Yeah. Elaine is insulted that Putty is not trying to save Elaine from going to hell. He just seems like pretty resigned to the fact like, well, you're going to hell. Right. She doesn't care that she's going to hell, but she cares that he doesn't care that she's going to hell. Right. That's right. And so uh, Putty calls out Elaine for stealing the Jesus fish. And uh, she like does like the devil horns to him. Yeah. The uh, I, I like her devil horns. I feel like they're like iconic. The Elaine devil horns. Does a good job. Okay. Uh, Mickey and Kramer are back together at the hospital. And Mickey has gone into, uh, he has painted his face for the uh, cirrhosis of the liver. And uh, he's trying to do like what Kramer did. And he's saying, uh, why did I waste all those years drinking? Why did I look for love in a bottle? And here comes Kramer. And he has also tried on the cirrhosis of the liver makeup. Yeah, wearing the same makeup. Kramer's uh, like cosplaying as Mickey's character. Um, and he just like jumps into his scene also. Like Mickey starts talking and then Kramer immediately like starts, you know, basically telling him what he was doing. Right. And Kramer goes right into talking about how uh, when he got back from Nam, this was his only friend. And Mickey ends up getting pissed. And we go into uh, Mickey and Kramer wrestling. The med student calls it out that Kramer has cirrhosis of the liver and Mickey has PCP addiction. Yeah, it's a funny like little line that I never you know, I didn't really hear the first few times I watched this episode, but this, the med student says it. Now you know a lot more about PCP since you first Ma, saw the episode. Yeah, PCP uh, uh, expert. For sure. <laughs> I should I should call my brother-in-law and ask him what diseases he got today. Yeah, let's see. It wouldn't be, if if he got gonorrhea, I feel like that's like you know all of us like that that's tebow level right then we really like believe if he got drug resistant gonorrhea yeah if he got drug resistant gonorrhea or or like pcp addict or you know bacterial meningitis then i think <laughs> that it's crazy yeah okay so we see now putty and elaine with father curtis and they're trying to get some counseling here uh father curtis is trying to wrap his head around this situation and they, expl- they he understands it as okay. You're concerned that you're going to hell, and she's not, con- and he, he's not concerned that you are, and you feel that she's too bossy. And uh, he's trying to understand in this interfaith marriage. Uh, well, Elaine went from an interracial relationship last week to an interfaith marriage potentially this week, and they explain no, 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 no. We are not married. Elaine says we are just having a good time. Father Curtis says, oh, well, then you're both going to hell. Yeah, I like that. Also, it's like I do think there was a thing about like living in sin, you know, in the 90s that mm-hmm. still existed that now is like, you know, nobody, nobody cares. Right. A little passe. I think that I think it's a little passe. You know, it's passe. The word passe. I feel like people don't say anymore. I feel like it should come back. You, you, you are you bringing passe back? <laughs> I think it could come back. I think if gonorrhea can only can bring come back, back one thing an episode, we already brought back God. Yeah. And gonorrhea. And God, we brought back God and gonorrhea. So fine. God, gonorrhea, and passe. Um, yeah, but I don't think people say the word passe much anymore. Uh, yeah, but it's funny, right? I don't think a pastor right now would be shocked by like even the the words like living in sin probably haven't been mentioned this decade. What do you still go to hell if you have a premarital intercourse? I mean, I don't think the rules change; it's the people that changed. Well, I mean, but right? I mean, but what what about uh God's outlook on it? I don't know. I feel like that's timeless. Isn't this like the annual debate? 
The but I don't know. I don't know anything about about like uh, you Does know. Father God Curtis update there. sort of like oh, okay, times are changing. Is the God like Adobe? Hmm. Like like it's an auto update. I don't know. Like this is Catholic. I don't like the Catholic. I think the Pope can make a decree. So they're uh, you know they can change it's the rules, Pope's I call. I think it's the Pope's call. If the Pope says like you know uh, you know you can live together in sin, like it's not even in sin. It's just we call it uh, you know live together in fun. It's like, okay, you're good. So the Pope, the Pope is like Roger Goodell and they sort of like go back yes. in the off season and they like take a look at like, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, we're getting rid of the wedge now. Yeah. So yeah. instant replay is back. That's and, uh, we're, we're, yeah, that's, that's okay. We're going to move the kickoff back to the 30. So you can do right. that now if you hurt. want. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We want people to be protected. I, I think that's a good analogy. The Pope is like Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah. Probably some other similarities there if we really uh, did a deep dive into it. Okay, uh, I like Putty's line. Uh, this is bogus when he finds out that he's going to hell. Yeah, he's very mad about going to hell, and then the po- then the uh, Father Curtis does the devil ears with the lamb. <laughs> yeah, and he's trying to do a joke about. Uh, did you hear the one about? And Putty's like, "Hey, I'm not in the mood for a joke." And Elaine is saying, "Uh, you know, lighten up. It'll only feel like an eternity." Uh, and everybody has a good laugh. There are a lot of people telling jokes. Yeah, people don't tell jokes. Like, if you had someone in your life that came over and was like, "Hey, Rob, did you hear the one?" Like, that would stop. Like, if that was your friend before that, that you'd stop being friends with that person, yeah. right? Like, nobody tells jokes anymore. But in Seinfeld, it's a normal thing to do to people, even like people in positions of power. Like, you know, we see we hear priests multiple times, or fathers, or whatever this guy is, multiple times. Like, just start telling like you know like a rabbi, priest, and a whatever jokes. Yeah. Could I tweak the joke a little bit? Should the priest have done some sort of, uh, did you hear the one about uh, the devil, Raquel Welch, and the lifeboat? Like, should, should she have he, done some, some sort the of- same a, one? Yeah. And, then, and then Elaine said, yeah, I heard that one <laughs> Something like that? Like, I feel like that, because uh, that, I mean, the last time we had a priest telling a joke, uh, it was the Raquel Welch joke. I That's feel like right. that, that would have been like that, like all the priests have been sharing that one. Anyway, so we go back to Jerry and Sophie at the apartment. And so Sophie is going to tell Jerry the tractor story. He seems like he already knows it. He does the, like, come on, it's me. And Mickey and Kramer come in, and they're in the middle of this argument about how they had, uh, they gave you gonorrhea. You didn't tell me. And uh, Sophie explains, like, look, you just need a supportive friend there. And Kramer says that, okay, you know, she's right. And then she drops that she did not have a supportive partner when this happened to her. Right. I mean, she's really like, she's so into telling not just Jerry, but everybody. I guess that's why Rafe knows, right? This is just like a fun party anecdote that comes up a lot. Yeah. And she mentions that she did not have a partner. She got gonorrhea from a tractor. Uh, to which Jerry loses his mind. Wait, you got gunnery from a tractor? That's the tractor story? Uh, and even Kramer knows you can't get it from that. And she says, I did. My boyfriend said I got gonorrhea from riding the tractor in my bathing suit. First of all, that boyfriend is a slick dude. Slick dude, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and Jerry then walks out on a, on a high note from his own apartment. Now, she says she did not have a partner. What did this boyfriend do? So the boyfriend came in gave her gonorrhea, said it, she got it because she rode the tractor. Right, said, I don't have it. it in her bathing be. suit. Yep, yep. And, and then And then what? He then left her and said, I'm not going to be with her because she has gonorrhea then? No, we probably just like broke up with her, you know, naturally. But she just thinks, uh, well, she says my boyfriend, not my ex-boyfriend, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Well, she uses past tense, right? She says said, not says. Yeah. 
So uh, she yeah, knows it's enough. a little. Yeah, I mean, but I think ultimately what you say, that's that's what happened. Right. The, the, the boyfriend tricked her and she's dumb. Right. But she knows enough to know that she needs to tell this to right. new sexual partners. Yes. So does she just like she's so stupid that she knows that you can sexually transmit gonorrhea, but that you can initially get it from riding a tractor in right. a wet bathing suit? Right. And we discussed the chess, although you posited that maybe that's just Jerry's not paying attention. He's trying to make the you know, the chess game is just the ruse for the joke. So we just got an email this second from Jared Jerome, a new, very good emailer. He's written in the last couple of weeks. He, he says, for years, I was confused by the gonorrhea from a tractor punchline. I guess the only thing it could mean was that Sophie was stupid and was fooled by her boyfriend, who was the actual culprit. But she somehow got her from a tractor. What is that? But where does this, the joke come from? Where else in the episode does it imply that Sophie's stupid because she thinks Jerry's Rafe? Not buying it. A punchline only works if there was something to set it up. And this ends the episode proper. Bad job. Yeah. Uh, the Rafe voice that Jerry does is pretty terrible. So she is uh, maybe right, not, not the necessarily... sharpest pencil in the box. Right. But also, like, these jokes are usually done in threes. Like, we almost needed – if we had set up that she was dumb in a funny way, which there's a lot of easy ways to do that at some point in the episode. Right. right? And like, again – what if? What if she's moving the chess pieces and she's like moving the pawns the wrong way or whatever, but Jerry's letting her win? Because, again, it's all for the joke. And so or, or something else where we know she's a dummy at when we hear this line from this person that we now know is dumb. I think it's a great joke I, and it ties the episode together. I think it's like a Hall of Fame joke here. And maybe but not I, I, even I, dumb, maybe just sort of like naive in the ways of yeah, the world. I mean, sure, she grew sure. up in a place where there's farm equipment around, where maybe she's uh, maybe a little bit naive and you could have somehow worked that in uh, a few other different ways throughout the course of the episode. So I think that that is probably an improvement. Uh, yeah, I, 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 but I think they, they, this could have been a home run and ultimately is not. Okay. Ultimately, we go and see George and Kruger one more time. Kruger is acting like a baby. George is trying to get him to do work. That George says that the R has fallen off the building outside. It just says K-Uger, and he thinks that's a funny-sounding word. And uh, he ends up doing walking off on a high note to George, uh, to which uh, makes George upset. You can't, uh, <laughs> you can't go out on a high note with me, Mr. Kruger. And he says it's uh, Kayuger, and that's the end of the episode. In loving memory of Lloyd Bridges, Mandelbaum. Yes. Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum. Yes, okay. All right, Keith. So oh, we had some fun here in uh, The Burning. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a throwback episode. It's, it's very fun. Yeah. So uh, some good stuff all the way around. Uh, let's do our letter grades here. What about Jerry and trying to track down the tractor story? Uh, track down the track. I, I think it's funny. I, I I think it's one of the few times in Seinfeld where it's like, ooh, I'm very curious what this is, like what the answer to this question is, right? Mm -hmm. You really want to know what the tractor story is. I think it's compelling. I think the answer, while it could have been a hundred times better, still is is a funny reveal. So I give this an A minus. Yeah, I'll give it more of a B plus. I think that there is like a strong punchline at the end. I don't know if it holds up to much scrutiny. I don't know if it's super memorable. Also, I feel like that uh, you sort of remember the, that there is a tractor story, but I couldn't have picked this woman uh, out of a lineup if I had yeah, to she's before the great. episode. So give it a B plus. Okay, George, he ends up having he goes out on a high note and then he ends up sort of having to babysit Mr. Kruger in this episode. Where does he come down in your rankings? Uh, you know, George, 
uh, again, it's almost two different storylines. I love the idea of the hit the home run and walk out is a classic George storyline that I really like. That feels like a real like middle term Seinfeld uh, storyline. I'll knock it down to a B plus from from an A or an A minus because the crew of the end doesn't do anything for me. Those last two scenes. Yeah, I think a B plus as well. I like going out on a high note, but the last part of the episode with Mr. Kruger, not a huge Mr. Kruger guy. And I don't really understand why George is uh, working so hard on this. If we see like it used to be like in the Yankee storyline, you could have had Steinbrenner like that. But then Wilhelm could have been on George's ass about something here. You just uh, you don't understand why George is even invested in what's going on at Kruger. I mean, mm-hmm. he's walking out of meetings and going to go watch the Titanic. So, yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. All right. Uh, what about Elaine and potentially going to hell and stealing Putty's uh, Jesus fish? And Putty doesn't care if Elaine's going to hell. I think I'll give it a B. I think it's a one note storyline but it is funny like the idea that like oh you're going to hell and that's okay but the idea of punny being religious isn't that out- outrageous so it's it's funny it's memorable it's like a cd storyline i give it a b yeah i think b is fine for uh this storyline it doesn't really go anywhere we don't really hit a home run at the end of the episode in terms of the reveal that putty is going to hell also so yeah. it's fine and then what about kramer with his uh storyline with mickey and being the disease actor yeah, one of the better Kramer Mickey storylines. It's pretty funny. Uh, not a great like that. The second one where they just fight is fine. But I, I like I like Kramer's story. And then every time they come in and say like who has gonorrhea, that's good. The Ipecac thing, like you said, that's a sort of a wasted scene. I'll give this a B plus. B plus. Uh, yeah, I'll go with just a B. I like the scene where Kramer initially acts out the gonorrhea, but I feel like that there's nowhere else to go after that. I like the line about, oh, I'm being typecast, but in, as far as like the third part of it, we've just seen the Mickey and Kramer thing so many times that uh, I yeah. don't think that we have enough of a wrinkle on it. Mm-hmm. All right. Keith. Yeah. Where is this? You've been on fire recently. By the way, this is another one of the things that, like, why we should be woke, stay woke to, like, the religious stuff. That's right. That's right. Because you're two for two. Two weeks in a row. Oh, my God. Okay. So, uh, I think that this is probably more of a a middle tier in your rankings. Uh, I don't think it's a high, high. I don't think it's a low, low. I would say probably I will put it at about... uh, 72 in the rankings. Mm, I'm a little higher on it, actually. Where? I have it just outside the top 50 at number 54. 54. What did you think about last week? So I thought that that was interesting that Chester was so high on last week's episode and you were so low on uh, the previous episode and uh, the, the wizard where that that was the biggest delta of your opinions of any Seinfeld episode. Yeah, um, I was just I, I think it's a bigger deal that Chester's so high in it because I don't think the Wizards considered a classic episode. I think maybe I'm a little lower than most, but I think, it, you know, it's probably not in the average top hundred. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a little harder on some of the Morty Florida storylines. I th- and I, you uh, the one one thing I wrote in that I don't think you guys read was that the Wizard Wheeler joke was so similar to a lot of like Rolex Tolex jokes, which was a very com- I saw it on like three different sitcoms in the 90s, like. Oh, that's not a Rolex. It's a Tolex that but they all came from before Seinfeld. So like this was a 
very hack joke that Seinfeld was doing. The idea of like buying but his is it a hack and... joke? Because I think that the Bob Sacamano thing had been established where Bob Sacamano yeah. gets you, no, oh, that's not a uh, sable that's hat. That's a rat hat, you know. Right, exactly. And that's true. So that you get the knockoff stuff from Bob Sacamano. So I don't think that was a specifically ripped off joke. Uh, my, But ultimately, my biggest complaint of the episode is you could have done some really fun things with uh, with Daryl, uh, Elaine's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you that could have been a really funny storyline with like, you know, v- maybe like very risque, like risky, um, like, oh, I thought he was, you know, this race because X. And I just thought they missed it. Like you have the rap music at the beginning, but I think you could have really gone much further with it. And they didn't really hit that out of the park. OK. All right. Keeve, let's get into our Seinfeld mailbag. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Johnny DeSavera writes, shout out to Daniel Day Kim of future Lost in Hawaii 5.0 fame as student number one. I did not catch that. I did not catch that at all. And Johnny DeSavera also wanted to know, why is Kramer afraid to fight back against Mickey or is he unable to fight back? Mickey is always kicking his butt. I think that's just the joke. I think it's a joke. It's not a great look. Like Kramer's two feet taller than him. But yeah, I think the joke is that Mickey's always just beating him up. Kramer's not a violent man. Okay. Giovanni also wants to ask about Mickey. Was Mickey better or worse on this rewatch as a character? Uh, Is this a series wrap for Mickey or is he back for the finale? Um, I believe we see Mickey one more time. Yeah. To me, eh, you know, I I could give or take Mickey. I like Mickey. I think this is a pretty good Mickey uh, this is a pretty good Mickey episode. Um, I, I, I don't mind him. I think he's good in lesser doses. So I think this is, uh, we have the perfect amount of Mickey. Okay. What about Craig from Vancouver? Craig from the Couve. <laughs> um, he says that, uh, the episode titles a veiled reference to the movie, the burning, which was Jason Alexander's first ever screen role. It was oh. one of the classic horrible horror films of the early eighties. Wow. I didn't know that at all. That's Who uh, knew? yeah, not me. I mean, I've never heard of that. I didn't know that. It's funny that it's Alex Jason's uh, first ever movie role. Yeah. Okay. So shout out to Jason Alexander. Yeah. Mike C has an interesting question, I guess, related to the uh, Rafe fake, you know, Jerry uh, phone call. He says, people generally sound different on the phone than they do in person. The way you hear your own voice when you speak is a lot different than the way your voice sounds traveling through air. Having both spent a lot of time podcasting and presumably listening to your own voice, you'd be wrong there. Are either of you still weirded out by hearing recordings of your own voice? I mean, I'm not because I've spent yeah. so many hours listening to it back and editing. But what? But about do you think you? your voice sounds different in your mind than it actually does on uh, paper or whatever? Uh, I think it does when I'm doing a podcast because I think I'm probably a little more measured and speaking directly into a microphone than when I hear myself just sort of like captured in like a conversation that is like on a video or something like that. What does Matt and Mass have to say? Matt and Mass says, I hate to go all Alexander Chester here, but when Elaine and Putty go to see the Catholic priest, the sign on the church reads St. Luke's Lutheran Church, which is not a Catholic church. So what gives? Yeah, I don't think Chester would have caught that. I think that's not my field of expertise or it is. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How about Lindsay? What does she say? Uh, Lindsay says, uh, do you still have preset radio stations in your car? Uh, I do, but I, I don't think I ever listen to them. I think I might have like one or two preset stations and then uh, an AM station also. What would be the best disease to act out, she wants to know? I think that you would probably want to act out something that's like a rapidly progressing disease. 
right? Yeah, what I I think Ebola would be a fun one to act out. Wow, that's messy. That's very messy to yeah. act out. You bring in some ketchup or something. Mm-hmm. You don't want like a slow burner. Yeah. I, uh, um, what else? Oh, oh, I know. You know what? You know what? Rabies. Right. You get to like foam at the mouth. I think rabies would be a good one to act out. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe like something that's like a psychotic break. I think might be an interesting. Yeah, one that would be to, fun as an actor. I don't know. If, yeah, I guess that would be good. Also, she wants to know: Did you see Titanic in theaters? I did, and I saw it with my parents, and it was very awkward when. What the Kate Winslet scene? Yeah. Is it the first time you saw a scene like that with your parents? In the movie theater, certainly. I don't think that my parents took me to any other films that right, had Right, because it's a, a PG-13 movie, so you wouldn't normally. Scene. I think in, was it, uh, is there a nude scene in Big? Does uh, Tom Hanks, as an adult, uh, that his girlfriend in the movie, does she take her top off? I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I've seen parts of that movie. But um, I never I want to say that that was another film that had uh, I don't know what to look for in that. That's not going to get me on like some sort of a search list. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I I saw that in theaters also. Surprisingly, I saw it with uh, childhood correspondent Andrew who listens to the show. Yeah. Um, And uh, and his all of his older sisters, I think, came with us. So I think it was awkward for me, too, probably. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, In the movie Big, there's an article, Think Piece from 2010. Why aren't we outraged by Tom Hanks' underage sex? Uh, (laughs) Another story from Crave Online. Why is the movie Big the creepiest story ever told? So uh, not really sure. Uh, This is another one from uh, Answers.Yahoo. In the movie Big, does Tom Hanks have intercourse with the woman... Uh, after taking her shirt off. Yeah, okay, so that was... Yeah, I don't know how the scene was shot. I don't know if it was done tastefully where you just saw her from the uh, the uh, um, bare back. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't sure. remember. I, 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 my grandfather, I remember, had a friend in that movie, and I, I that's the only thing I remember yeah, hearing. You know what I think this. happened? I think my dad like put his hands over my eyes, and then I don't oh, boy. remember. Uh, like, it's like, oh, I don't know where this is going. Yeah, I feel like I, they don't teach you these things in school, but they should. Like, how to, how to like, avoid seeing that type of movie with your parents <laughs> until, you're, until you're like a real grown-up. Or right. ever, I think, honestly, probably is the best, right. best way to see it. Like okay. Um, Garrett Coulter. Yes. Uh, says there's no way there are that many Christian rock radio stations, not in New York. I mean, for sure. That you'd be lucky if there's like one rock and one talk, I think. Well, it seemed a, like that there was like yeah, some Christian uh, talk radio stations as well. I mean, who who knows? Who knows what uh, Putty was able to You don't think that there was six? No, I don't think there's six ra- uh, Christian rock radio stations in New York. I think there's probably zero. Let's see. Like maybe like a college radio or something. And it's like one of those like faint. You can only hear it on Long Island or like when you're close to Jersey or something. Let's see. How many um, Christian rock stations are in New York? I know there's famously zero country music stations in New York. Okay. Uh, let's see. New York Christian radio stations. And uh, boy, it seems like, a, well, that's New York State. Uh, yeah, you know. it might be upstate. Right. Uh, maybe on the AM dial. Maybe some of them really travel. Yeah. Also, like Sunday morning, they might rent out space or something, you know, but this wasn't, this didn't look like Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Amir? All right, so Amir, Jerry posits that Putty probably doesn't even know how to program the buttons on the radio. He's a trained mechanic, but he may be dumb, but he obviously know how to do anything that's correlated. Yeah, we agree. Mm-hmm. Amir also says, George claims that you don't hear much about God anymore, but it was only a few years ago that he was well on his way to converting to Greek Orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. He that, doesn't well, hear about God. He was thinking about it. He was open yeah, to it. That's true. 
Uh, Putty casually suggests to Elaine that it feels like an Arby's night, given that this was a main sticking point in the relationship. Amir certainly hopes that uh, Putty's keeping to the agreed-upon deal of Arby's no more than once a month. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, that's a good uh, callback by the writers. And then what's worse, toe thumbs or man hands? Uh, I think man hands are worse. No? Um, well, what's more important, your thumbs or your or or your or your hands? I'm probably a toe thumb is worse than a man hand. I mean, your, your thumbs or your toes? Yeah. Like, if you would you rather someone chop off your thumb or your toe? I think that's ultimately the answer. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, my toe, right? I think so. Yeah, I like think how we rose. But but then but we're not chopping it off here. Like the toe thumb. I, yeah, I guess just more people would. I don't. Yeah, I think more, the man. I don't know. I'm not so sure. No, man hands are fine. What is he saying? Yeah. Who, oh, um. All right. Uh, last guy, a guy, a person named Alex. Okay. <laughs> wrote in. Former fill-in co-host, uh, Alex. Retired podcast. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, Doctor Jen. Uh, By the way, Rob. Yes. Uh, I I was uh po- I did several podcasts with uh, Chester yesterday. Yes. And uh, he he Chester was on the uh he was on the phone with his wife. Yes. And uh, I didn't realize, but he didn't realize that I was, I was like, it was, we were in the, uh, is this Zencaster. on the record or off the record? This is on the record. This okay. Is on the record. Okay. That you, I, you went in like a tone, like, uh, no, but, uh, you said uh, Dr. Jen. Yes. No, I, but I know he, maybe he'll be married to you, okay. but I'm still going to say, um, but he went like, I realized at a certain point, Oh, he, I thought he knew I was listening. So I didn't like think anything of it. Then when it, when I realized, um, that he didn't know I was listening, I, I unplugged my, my headphones. So I, I, I took out them out of my ears, so I didn't hear because maybe he's going to have a personal conversation with his wife, and I'm a classic guy like that. But for the minute I was hearing, hearing uh, Dr. Jen like berate Chester was just an absolute delight. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was like with a stern like librarian tone. It was great. It, it gave me life. It's great. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Dr. Jen confirms medical schools use actors to play standardized patients uh, that we also have also confirmed that through other sources. Uh, those who go to med school in New York, like Dr. Jen, get the benefit of real actors. Jen says that standardized patients were often recognizable from Law & Order, NCIS, etc. JAG did not well, get a reference. That's cool. I guess it's like the... Um you know, like we have struggling actors, so that makes sense, right? Like uh, that's like a gig for actors on a day they're not working. Yeah. I would suspect a few of Jerry's girlfriends uh, went on to do this. No question. Yeah, many of them. Like the, when they're not busy doing yoga or acting teaching. Maybe yeah. there's a separate um, – is there a separate school for standardized patient like acting teaching where you teach them how to like properly act out gonorrhea so you get the gig again next time? Mm-hmm. Jester does not like the name of the episode, The Burning. He proposes the tractor story. He says it's not the best storyline. Uh, he thinks that Kramer and George's story is better, but it makes more sense than The Burning. I had no idea which episode this was until I started watching it. Yeah, well, you know, we could have The Devil, and maybe that would be a little too confusing with The Devils. Yes. Um, but The Devil would be okay. Uh, the K.Uger. Like, I don't know what you do for George's storyline. Like, The Walk-Off. You could do The Walk-Off, because, like, The Walk-Off joke. Mm-hmm. The high note, right. I would, I would do the high note. The yeah, the high, the high note is actually a really good name. Uh, let's, I think we win. The high note wins. Okay, I mean, tractor story would be number one, and then I think the high note would be number two, and the burning mm-hmm. would be even the gonorrhea. I think would be the third. Uh, you're not naming the episode the gonorrhea. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then. Uh, Chester mentions how last week I took offense to the number of rich people eating at the coffee shop. What is Kruger doing eating there? We know he's rich. Uh, His uh, name is on a Manhattan skyscraper. What is he doing there in the middle of the day? I think that he just wanted that cake. Yeah, wanted the devil's cake. 
Yeah, devil's food cake. Uh, that was uh, very delicious. All right. So, Keeve, what's the hashtag this week? Is it hashtag the clap? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not so sure we could do that. That's like naming the episode the gonorrhea. Mm, yeah, but I think the clap is okay. Okay, yeah. that's fine. The clap. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the clap, the clap coming to theaters. Uh, we're gonna work on the treatment this week. Uh, is Natasha Henstridge on Twitter? I thought it's untreatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the Hens- is the Henstridge on Twitter? That's a good question. I'm gonna guess no. I yeah. feel like she's British in real life. I feel like the proper British actresses are not on. Okay, not so on Natasha Henstridge verified on Twitter. How many followers? Well, I just clicked on her page. So. Yeah. Uh, a surprisingly low amount, only 16,800 for Natasha Henstridge. Uh, just a shocking amount. Remember, we did that game where like p- famous people like Henstridge in the 90s would have had three million easy. Yeah, she would have. I, I bet on Instagram. 50, she, ex- 50 million. She would have broke Instagram. Henstridge on Instagram, if she takes it seriously, probably has a lot because mm-hmm. she advertises her Instagram. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like it's been tough. It's really tough to be a, an actress in your forties, assuming she's really in her forties. Yeah. Um. It's tough. It's tough in Hollywood, but I think we're going to give her a big break. We're going to talk to Penner next week about our, our better movie idea. Um. <laughs> we'll email him maybe uh, our idea and see what he uh, what he has to say. I feel like he's not going to like it. Listen. Does it hurt to ask him? What's the <laughs> worst? Might. thing you could do? He's a, a tough again? critic. Yeah, tough he is a tough critic. That but but if he likes it, I think the idea got I've ever heard in my entire life. She's posting pictures on Twitter of her and Eric Roberts. I feel like she's like you could have gotten her for the scorned if you were doing it nowadays. I feel like she, maybe the, the star has slipped. <laughs> maybe. OK. All right. Well, good stuff, Keeve. Uh, happy to have you back. Uh, what is next week? OK, so next week we have the bookstore. We got Uncle Leo shoplifting. We got George Red flagging a book. Uh, we got a lot of fun um, next week with with the uh, with the bookstore. And uh, we're really in the stretch run. We got the bookstore and only uh, four more episodes after that. Okay, there you go. It's all happening as we come into the home stretch. Big thanks to Scott St. Pierre for all of his hard work editing the podcast. And God knows uh, it is a lot of work editing this podcast. Also, a big shout out to Mike Moore, who has written all of these episode recaps. I'm sure that he is uh, very excited for this task to be coming to an end as well. Keeve, uh, 32 fans, uh, you guys are uh, cooking with gas, getting ready for this football season. Yeah, we we did a uh, three-part, six or seven-hour, uh, 100 greatest quarterbacks rankings, and now we are into the the uh, titular part of the podcast. We're speaking to fans of all 32 NFL teams in 32 days. What if the NFL and it's an expansion team? Do we have to change the name of our podcast? Oh, yeah, because um, it wouldn't be uh, canonical. 33 fans, although, they, you know, like I feel like the Chargers don't have any fans anymore, so we could just keep, kick them out. But, um... We, uh, yeah, we're, we've already, we've, we have a bunch of those episodes in the can and, uh, uh, we got more coming out. I think one a day, every day between now and the NFL season, we'll have come out. Boom. It's all happening. All right. Well, great stuff. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. To talk about the bookstore. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. Bye.